Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. It's a journey, and we're all walking it together. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. Well, welcome to No Limits. So thankful you guys are joining us here at church. Or if you're at home joining us, want to say, hey, so glad you're joining us online. And if this is your first time with us, I just want to say welcome. Thanks so much for being here with us. I know it can be a little nerve wracking to be with a new group of people, or maybe it's just a little weird watching something new online if you're brand new with us. But thank you for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Cade. I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Beth, who you saw up here singing this morning. Uh, here at No Limits, we're on a mission of making a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. In other words, we want to help you live the life that God planned for you before you were even born. But here's the deal. It's a journey. You don't get there overnight, and you actually can't do it by yourself. You, we need each other to get to this place, and that's why we meet every Sunday. That's why we get together in our small groups throughout the week. And the goal we're reaching for is found in Ephesians 3.20, which says, All glory to God, because He's able, through His mighty power working within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we could ask or think. So that's why we're called No Limits Church. So go ahead and look at whoever you're with right now and say, It's time to take the limits off. And we talk a lot here at No Limits about getting closer to God, but I've realized that there's some roadblocks along the way. As you draw closer to God, you're going to run into places where you kind of get stuck because you don't understand something about God. And the interesting thing about that is we all kind of run into the same roadblocks. And through, through this series that we've been in over the past five weeks, today we're going to wrap it up. But we've been breaking through those roadblocks so that we can get closer to God as a result. And our theme, theme verse for this series actually comes from a place where the church as we know it today is brand new. And people were kind of making fun of it because they didn't really understand what was going on. And, you know, we tend to make fun of things we don't understand. This is when the Holy Spirit was actually poured out on the church shortly after Jesus had ascended into heaven. And here's how people responded to that encounter in Acts chapter 2, verse 12. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. And maybe you've been here yourself, like something weird happened at church or weird, something weird happened with one of your Christian friends, and you're just like, what the heck is going on here? Well, I wanted to show you the scripture so you know that you're not alone, and the truth is you actually will always make fun of things that you don't understand. That's just natural human behavior. We actually all do it. Anybody in this room that has never done that? All right, good. So it's not that you can't believe that God can't do it, it's just that you don't understand. And it's easier to make fun of something than it is to actually dig in and understand it. Anybody? Just me. But through this series, you know, we've been digging in. We're going to try to understand this stuff. And I've been helping you just like Peter did. Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning, guys. But this is that, which is spoken by the prophet Joel. So what we're saying through the series is this isn't what you thought it was this whole time. This is that, the truth that we find in the Bible. So we've talked about the Holy Spirit. We've talked about prayer and worship and prosperity. If you struggle with any of those, you can go find those messages on our website, or you can find us in your favorite podcasting app as well. But today we're going to wrap up this series by talking about a subject that most Christians probably struggle to understand, healing. Why, why does God heal some people and not others? Why do we even get sick? Maybe you've had some of these questions. Well, today I hope to give you some answers, but let me preface by saying that I don't think that we can fully understand the concept of healing in one message. 
but we will all gain a degree of clarity today on the subject of healing, and then we can continue moving down that path of understanding what God wants for us in regards to healing. So in the church world, you've probably noticed two extreme viewpoints on healing. There's one side that says, you should experience a healing miracle instantaneously every time you ask for it. And then there's this other side that believes that healing miracles went away when the, apostle, the last apostle died. Two extremes. But you probably have something on the inside of you that knows that God's still performing miracles today. But then there's this tension that we all feel because we've witnessed somebody get healed and then we've buried somebody that we've prayed for. I've witnessed this personally. My wife, Beth, was healed of infertility five years ago, and now we have three kids. Awesome. Miracle. And then a couple years ago, my father-in-law, at the age of 50, passed away after we had prayed for a miracle. So let's go to Scripture so that we can sort all this stuff out. So James, chapter 5, we're actually going to hang out here quite a bit today. And in your personal Bible study throughout the week, I recommend that you go read James 5 like several times over because you're going to get some good stuff out of it. Let's start at uh, verse 13. It says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So if you've ever doubted the importance of prayer, hopefully this scripture has kind of set you straight, because now you know that prayer holds the power to help you when you're struggling, like I said earlier in the verse, and also it has the power to bring healing into your life. Prayer does that. But for healing, it says to have the elders of the church pray over you and anoint you with oil. So let's talk about those things, because I can see this becoming confusing to people who are new to the church. Or maybe you've been here for a while and you're like, what's this anointing with oil thing? What's this prayer thing? So the elders in the church are simply leaders in the church who have a solid grasp on the Bible. That's what they're talking about when they say elders of the church. So this could be like me or Beth, Dylan, Chris Wills, Carrie Sims, Tim and Darla Bell, Mark and Jeannie Young. There's lots of elders here at the church that you could go to for prayer. But what about this anointing with oil thing? Come on, Beth, get the oil out. We're going (laughs) to fling it on everybody. Well, the book of James was actually written to Jewish believers. And in their culture, anointing with oil had significant meaning. They would use it to greet their guests as a sign of honor and respect. And they would also use it like if somebody was appointed as a prophet or a priest, or you could say if they were appointed as a pastor, they would be anointed with oil just as a sign of showing that they are set apart for the purposes of God. So anointing with oil was a big deal to them. And in the context, in this context, anointing with oil would have basically meant you're consecrating their body to God, you know, for healing. You're giving it to him. So do you have to be anointed with oil to be healed? No, you sure don't. But if it has meaning for you and it inspires your faith, by golly, anoint with oil. You might as well use it. But how do we know that oil's not required? You're like, okay, I don't know if I can just take your word for it. Well, luckily, it's actually revealed in the very next scripture. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. So first of all, I want you to notice it was the prayer, not the oil. Anybody else see that? Or is it just me? I want you to remember that because I don't want you to get hung up on the oil. Everybody tell me that. I'm not going to get hung up on the oil. But why does this say that the prayer will save the sick instead of heal the sick? Anybody else wonder that? All right, let's recap. Someone was sick. They went to the elders for prayer so they could find healing. The elders prayed, and they even went a step further and anointed anointed them with oil. Yet the prayer didn't didn't heal the sick. It saved the sick. I'm thinking they must have got their words mixed up. Or maybe like God's secretary messed it up on its way to him. 
Like somebody's like, we're looking for healing. She kind of wrote down the wrong word, salvation, before she gave it to him. I mean, I don't know. Or maybe they just translated this word wrong in the Bible. Well, I looked up the original Greek word, translated to saved here, and guess what it means? Saved. <laughs> like we're talking about salvation in Jesus Christ. That's exactly what this word means. And this brings me to the first thing we all need to understand about healing. God is more concerned with eternity. If you're taking notes, this is where you start writing things down. And we talk a lot about the importance of what you do first here at No Limits. You should pray first before you go into that argument, right? You should give first before you do anything else with your paycheck. You should set your mind on God first. First thing you do every morning, I set my mind on God. Give God the first of your week by being faithful to your church. Thanks for being here, guys. You're doing that. Give God the first of your year by joining us in 21 days of prayer and fasting. There's a lot of first things going on here, so it's important what you do first. And I think this principle of first explains what happened in the scripture that we just read. If you come to God for healing, he wants to heal you, but there's something he has to do first. He has to make sure you're going to be spending eternity with him. I mean, if you received healing in your body, but you didn't receive salvation, what good does it do? Your body's going to die anyways. So that's why first things first, let's get eternity sorted out. This is a no-brainer to God. Like, he just gets it. He gets that this life is just a mist in comparison to eternity. We have a hard time with that. We get caught, so caught up in our earthly life that we have a really hard time understanding why, why God would just let somebody die instead of healing them. Well, I have an explanation for you, but you're probably not going to like it. Isaiah 55, 8 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. You know, we all have this vision of heaven that, like, when we get there, the first thing we're going to hear is, like, the angels singing the hallelujah chorus, right? Hallelujah. But I don't think that's what we're going to hear. I think we're going to hear our own voice. We're going to get up there. We're going to be like, oh, oh, I, I get it now. Like, when we get to heaven, it's all going to become clear. We're just going to get it. We're going to be like, oh, that's why God did that. That made no sense on earth, but it's making total sense to me now. But in the meantime, we have to learn to be okay with the fact that we don't understand everything. Our thoughts are not God's thoughts. His ways are far beyond what we could even imagine. I can't explain why my father-in-law died so young. I don't have an explanation for you. I can't explain why Chris and Gina's nephew, who believed in Jesus, died of some rare form of cancer just a few months ago. I can't explain that. It doesn't make sense. So we don't see the full picture like God does, but something I'm sure of is God is not the author of sickness. He's not. God is the author of life, eternal life. The devil is the one who steals, kills, and destroys with sickness and disease. Y'all, we have to get okay with the fact that our little minds can't fully comprehend the ways of God. We can't explain it, and we don't have to. But what we do know is that God is more concerned with eternity. He wants to heal you, but he's got to save you first because that's more important. Does this mean he's not going to heal us? Absolutely not. Healing is still available to us. So let's get back to the book of James and see what comes next. So remember, someone who needed healing went to the elders for prayer. They ended up getting saved. And here's what happened next. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Oh, so I came for healing. I ended up getting saved, and now I'm getting healed. The word translated to healed here really does mean physical healing. This is really cool. Take a look at the definition of the Greek word translated to healed. Iaomai, to cure, heal, to make one to make whole, to bring about one's salvation. 
That last part brings it all together for me, you know, to bring about one salvation. In other words, healing is a result of your salvation. Salvation in Jesus comes first. And as salvation takes root in your life, it brings about healing into your life, which leads me into the next thing we need to understand about healing. And that sin is a healing thief. We often misunderstand this by thinking that God uses sickness to punish us for what we've done wrong. But that's not it at all. When we allow sin into our lives, we're allowing the enemy to steal something from us that belongs to us. Healing, amongst other things. And we just read in James, and it seems a bit misplaced until now. And if you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So when you're sick, you go to the elders for prayer. And when they pray, salvation comes first. And let's say you're already saved. Well, let's make sure to get that sin taken care of because you can't move on to the next step until you know you've been forgiven. We haven't got to healing yet, but in the scripture, we can see the final step. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. In other words, we need each other to walk in healing. This was a revelation to me when I was preparing this message. I'm like, man, I don't know if I've ever heard a healing message like this. This isn't something you should be doing by yourself. You shouldn't be sitting in your prayer closet trying to get healing. We got to do this together. No wonder the enemy works so hard to get you to think that church isn't important. Right? No wonder there are so many distractions that keep us from showing up to our small groups. No wonder. Because the enemy knows if we prioritize living life together, we will become an unstoppable force of good to those around us. Many will get saved and healed simply because we said, I'm going to prioritize my church family because I need them. I need them. This is why church is essential. Anybody hear our president say that a few days ago? And then Christians were fighting about it. That just blew me away. I'm not going to get into that. But I get it. Like, the the church is not the building. It's the people. That is actually an inaccurate statement. It's almost true. It's almost there. But let me show you what is true. The church is the gathering of believers. This is something the Spirit put in me whenever I've been thinking about this. And I was best like, you got to confirm that in Scripture. So I went and I looked up the original Greek word translated to church in the New Testament, ecclesia. And guess what the first definition is? The gathering of people in a physical location or in a public location. That's what the word church means. So it's when we come together in unity and we go after the things of God. It's when we have close enough relationships that we're willing to confess our sins to each other and pray for each other and find healing. Like that is the church. That's the church. It's not us as individuals. It's not us getting in our prayer closet, doing our own Bible study, doing our own thing. We're not church as individuals. We're church when we come together and run after the things of God. Does everybody get that? I hope we all understand that. Don't believe the lies that church is not essential. That church is killing people by spreading the coronavirus. People go to a church service, they get diagnosed, 40 of them get diagnosed with the coronavirus, and they put that article out there, and then all the churches think that that's going to happen in their church. It was one church in the whole nation, and the media has this way of th- making you think that it's ev- that's going to happen in every church. So I'm going out there, and I'm spreading the word right now, and all these pastor and worship leader groups that I'm a part of, they're like, is anybody going back to church yet? And they're all scared, and I feel bad for them. I'm like, y'all, we've been back to church for four weeks now, and ain't nobody got sick. I just want to let you know that it's going to be Okay. So gathering together as believers is the most important thing we do. The enemy knows this, but now so do we. And I pray that you're going to remember this part of, your mess- this part of my message for the rest of your life. Because you need to know this stuff. And here's what I want you to remember. God uses relationships to bring healing. If healing comes because we're close enough to get real about our issues and ask for prayer, no wonder we don't see healing very often today. 
the overall church culture in America is, you know, we go to church, we enjoy the show, we get home as quick as we can without talking to very many people. And then we don't even show up every week anymore. It's just, you know, here and there, whenever it's convenient for me, I'll show up. But have you noticed how you can't really build relationships that way? Or, you know, but at least we're following each other on Facebook and sending a text message once in a while, right? If we want to see healing become common in church, which I know a lot of you do because I've talked to you about it, it starts by prioritizing building relationships in church. And in order to do that, you got to show up when you don't want to. you got to join a small group when it's not convenient for you. And I'm not getting on to you. I'm actually helping you right here. This is Pastor Cade helping you. This is going to help you a lot. I promise this will work, but it takes time to build relationships. And it's hard to build relationships. And it's a struggle to build relationships. And it's scary to build relationships. But give it just a few months, and you're going to start noticing the results of it. You're going to be like, oh, it really does work. You mean the Bible was true? Wow. And let me invite you in on this mission. One of the best ways to answer this call of God to build relationships is to become a small group leader here at No Limits. Our summer semester starts in just two weeks, so now's the time to jump in. And honestly, summer semester is the best way to try out if a small group leader is the best thing for you, because it's only six weeks long. The other ones are 13 weeks. So if you want to answer this call of God, like if you're, it's kind of stern on you right now, small group leader, you know, that kind, of, that kind of fits with me. I want you to talk to our small groups director after service today. Chris, go ahead and stand up so they know who you are. This is our small groups director. Woohoo! Or if you're listening online right now, just go ahead and send us a message through Facebook or through our website and say, hey, I'm interested in becoming a small group leader. You could even lead a small group on a, on a Zoom call is what we found out through this pandemic. So, Yeah. So don't wait. Do it today. Our next small group semester kicks off in just two weeks. Small group leaders are essential to the mission of not just our church, but the church, because we got to build relationships. So God works through relationships, but that's only half of the equation. we got to go back to James to look for the other half and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. If we build these relationships and get comfortable with each other, that we're willing to share where we're struggling, it wouldn't do us any good if we didn't offer a prayer of faith. So in other words, relationship plus prayer of faith is what leads to healing. In order to pray a prayer of faith, though, we got to understand how does faith work? And interestingly enough, James goes on to explain it in the very next verse. Take a look. Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Now, Dad, don't pray that prayer because you need to spread gravel driveways. Three and a half years might be a long time to go without rain. But then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. So in this story, you're going to find a journey of faith, the journey of faith that we all go through, but you need more details from the story to see it. So let's go to the story that James is talking about here, which is found in 1 Kings chapter 17. Now Elijah told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. So Elijah had a word from God that King Ahab would not turn from his wicked ways unless there was a severe drought. And that's what this was about, and that's what Elijah's talking about here, and this actually reveals the first step in our faith journey, and that's faith begins with a word from God. You can't grow in your faith journey unless you know what God is speaking to you. What is he saying to you? Well, how do I know what God is saying to me? Well, Romans ten seventeen says, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, 
All of a sudden, I feel like I'm back at Raymond Bible School. Yep. And the way I read this, the way I like to read this verse is that faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the Word of God. And that's why you have to hear some things 40 times before you actually get it, right? This is why we come to church every Sunday and hear the Word of God. It's why we have personal Bible study at home. It's why we listen to worship music, and it's why we listen to Christian podcasts, because hearing and 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 hearing the Word of God is what we need to operate in faith. You've got to take every opportunity you can to hear the Word of God. And here's a pro tip for you. One of the best ways to hear the Word of God is out of your own mouth. So read those scriptures out loud. Find a scripture for whatever you're dealing with right now, and you memorize it, and you say it over and over and over. And you know the one that I know the best, be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Why do I know that? Because I'm an anxious person by nature, and I needed to overcome that. And I've said that scripture a million billion times, because it took that many. So your faith journey begins by hearing the word of God. Well, what comes next? Let's go to, back to 1 Kings to find out. Just like Elijah said, it didn't rain for three and a half years. Man, that's a long time without rain. But now it was time for the rain to come. And look at what happened. Then he said to his servant, Elijah said to his servant, go and look out toward the sea. And the servant went and looked and then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. So Elijah sent his servant out to see, hey, hey did, my, did my word work when I told the rain to come? And he saw nothing. Anybody relate to that? You put your faith out there, you sat expectantly, waiting for God to move, and nothing. Nothing. Too many of us give up there. But Elijah didn't. He held on to his faith. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. Finally, the seventh time his servant told him, well, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. And then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. So Elijah didn't even wait for the first raindrop to fall. He didn't even see that cloud with his own eyes. He's just like, all right, it's going to happen. Here it comes. And this reveals the second step in your faith journey. Faith continues regardless of what I see. This is why I'm not discouraged when I continue to see negative reports about the economy because of the coronavirus. It's why I'm not discouraged when I hear how the church is being persecuted right now around our nation, because God gave me a word. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. It ain't going to happen. God made America a great nation. He's going to restore our nation so that we can be a blessing to the other nations of the world. That's his purpose for America. It doesn't matter what I see. It could get worse before it gets better. But I know God's word will come to pass. It looks like this year is going to be a complete bust. But can I tell you something? It's going to end up being the best year we've ever had. Why? Because 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. So let's look at how this story turned out for Elijah. And soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm, and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked in his cloak and his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. So it didn't just rain, it poured. And not only that, but God gave Elijah special strength to run faster than the chariot, so he could get ahead of the storm. To put things in perspective, a horse runs about twice as fast as we do. But Brandon can run faster. Let's, let's see it. Take a lap. <laughs> so at the end of this faith journey, God didn't just do what Elijah expected him to do. He exceeded expectations. And that's what God does. He exceeds expectations. And he always exceeds expectations when we choose to operate in faith.
In other words, faith goes from a small beginning to a grand finale. You know, there's two types of people in the world. You're either a journey person or you're a destination person. And we've all been on a trip with a destination person. You didn't get to stop to use the restroom or nothing. And it really didn't matter that you were passing the Grand Canyon on the way. You ain't stopping because you got to get there. And then we've all, we're all, you know, blessed to have these journey people in our lives who wander through life and enjoy everything around them. These are the people you don't want to go shopping with because they go down every aisle just to see what's there. Wonder what could be there. Well, I hate to tell you this, but God is a journey person. We step out in faith and we're hyper-focused on the destination, the outcome, the miracle. But God's more interested in the journey than the destination. You're going to get there, but he has a journey for you to take first. Because you're going to learn more from the journey than you would if he just threw you into the destination. I know that's not very fun to hear, but that's how it works. And honestly, this is where I'm at right now with our church. God's given me a word that he's going to use No Limits Church to shift the city of Owasso from a culture that goes to church out of religious duty to a culture that's on fire for God. Our city is going to be known for its generosity and its love for God, and he's using us to lead that charge. But here we are at small beginnings. We're on this journey that God deems necessary for us to get to the destination And I'm confident that we're going to look back on this day and and know exactly why God did what he did. But right now, it just seems like it's not fast enough. What's taking so long? Why are we doing this, God? But God knows exactly what he's doing. And what we're doing right now is necessary for what he has for us. And the Apostle Paul, he went through this too. Take a look. 2 Corinthians 12 says, Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Maybe this is speaking to your personal journey. You've been believing God for something and nothing happened. You've been out looking for the cloud six times and you hadn't seen anything yet. Well, here's God's word for you today. Go look again. I'm coming. I've heard your prayers. I've been working on your behalf. I know you didn't see it, but it's coming. So take a moment right now. We're going to let the Holy Spirit work in our lives. If you guys could go ahead and turn up that altar call music and dim the lights down. Close your eyes and just say, Holy Spirit, refresh me in this journey. If that's you, if you're just kind of struggling because you've been on this faith journey, it seems like forever and nothing's changing. Well, today's the day that the Holy Spirit's going to refresh you and give you the strength that you need to continue moving along this journey. So Holy Spirit, right now we, we submit to you. We ask you to refresh us. We ask you to renew us. someone you were just about to give up you didn't know if you could just walk this faith journey out anymore 
But what God's saying this morning is keep going. <laughs> like you're, you're right there. This journey is necessary. I know it's not fun, but you're gonna see why. Just trust me, trust God that he knows what he's doing because he does. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are far beyond what we could think. And he knows the right timing. He knows the, he knows everything. He sees the beginning, the end. And when we put our faith in him, we got to trust his timeline, not ours. So be encouraged. Don't give up. And I don't, want to get, I don't want to leave today without giving you an opportunity to act on what we heard today. You know, it said when we confess our sins to each other and pray for each other, we find healing. So I'm not going to ask you to come up and tell your sins on the mic for everybody to hear. That's actually something that should just take place one-on-one with, with somebody you trust, with somebody you know. But there is something that we can do in here this morning because I don't want to leave today without giving you that opportunity. You could just stand up just as a way of saying, hey, y'all, I've messed up. And today I'm going to choose to receive forgiveness in Jesus. So if that's you, have the courage to stand up. Go ahead and do it right now. Just stand up and say, that's me. I'm, I'm confessing my sins right here so that I can receive healing. That's awesome. Come on, don't let this moment pass you by. If that's you, stand on up. Or if you're joining us online, I want you to just go ahead and type, that's me, in the chat right now. Type, that's me. I'm going to pray a prayer of faith over you as the elder of the church. Kind of sounds funny to say since I'm only 31. <laughs> Lord, we come before you right now. and We thank you for the courage of those who stood up here. We know that as soon as they stood up, like that forgiveness just washed over them. In Jesus' name, there isn't anything we have to do to receive your forgiveness. It's a free gift, so we just, we receive it. We say, thank you, Jesus. You did what it took. It was your work, not mine, that forgives me. It doesn't matter how many times I messed up in the past. Like, you just whew, washed it all away right there. So we just rest in your forgiveness. We don't waste time in regret. We're going to move forward. It's washed clean. And we thank you for that. And right now, I pray for healing. In Jesus' name, I extend a prayer of faith and just say, be healed. In Jesus' name, according to the word of God, which says that you heal all of our sickness, all of our diseases, you heal our minds, you heal our emotions, you heal our relationships. In Jesus' name, I speak healing over every person here. And I thank you. I thank you for the supernatural work that's taking place. I thank you for the testimonies that we're gonna hear because of this message, this message from your word. This wasn't K, this was your word, God, that has transformed our minds and renewed our minds. And we're so grateful. So thank you. Thank you for healing. Now, maybe you're in a place right now where you need to put your faith in Jesus Christ so that he can save you. You just hadn't done that yet. Well, God cares so much about your eternity that he sent Jesus so that you could be forever forgiven of your sins. Man, that sounds good, and it is good. And that's the good news. Jesus did that for you. You've heard the word of God today that Jesus wants to save you, and even though you can't see him, even though this seems like a really small beginning, give your life to Jesus today, and you're gonna watch him turn this into a grand finale. So I wanna lead you in a prayer to help you put your faith into words. 
I want everybody to go ahead and repeat this after me because this is a good thing for all of us to say. So go ahead and repeat this after me. Jesus, I put my faith in you today. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe you rose back to life. I believe you've forgiven me. I believe you'll never leave me. I believe my eternity is sealed in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. So, oh God, we thank you for salvation in Jesus. So good. Amen. Well, y'all, that's some good stuff. But hey, if you just prayed that prayer... Uh, to give your life to Jesus. We want to support you along the journey that's ahead, but we can't support you if we don't know. So we've set up a really easy way for you to tell us. You simply text the word Jesus to 918-373-9883. We want you to give us your number so we can bug you and spam you and things like that. Totally kidding. We don't want to do that. We want to help you along this journey that's ahead. It's an exciting journey, but like I said, we got to do it together. You can't do it by yourself. So please go ahead and send that text. Now, a few weeks ago, I told you guys how we sent an extra $2,000 to Mexico to provide 200 relief bags to people who have been affected by the coronavirus, and each bag is going to contain enough food to feed a family for about a week. So 200 families are getting a week's worth of food because of the generosity of no limits. Like, that's something to be celebrated. And here's something else for you. Another church came along and matched our donation. So that means 400 families are going to be fed for a week. Yeah, that's awesome. That's what you call the body of Christ, right? Working together. Now, the team in Mexico, they've been working to gather up supplies for their relief bags. But just like here, they've kind of had a hard time finding stuff in the stores. You know, people like to buy all that bulk stuff whenever stuff like this goes on. But luckily, they actually had a connection with a local farmer and a wholesaler, and they were able to gather up enough beans and rice. So I want you to take a look at some pictures that Ben sent me. So bags of beans right there. And then we got like some rice and stuff being loaded into the truck. And then here's kind of like their little storage closet there, getting everything gathered up and ready to go. So if you're ready to give today or you want to give later this week, you simply head to the browser on your phone, tablet, computer, type in nolimits.fyi, kind of like nolimits.com. You just use .fyi instead. I know that trips some people up, so I always try to explain that. Just type it in like that and hit the giving button. It'll get you where you need to go. Or if you're here right now and you need an offering envelope, raise your hand and one of our lovely ushers will get you an offering envelope. Thank you so much for joining us and a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And if you were encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.